Today on Maine Calling, what it means to really listen. You've probably heard the question at some point in your life, are you listening to me? Maybe a parent, a spouse, a teacher or coworker frustrated that their message isn't getting through. And oftentimes it's because you were hearing but not really listening. I'm Cindy Hahn. Today we turn our attention and ears to learn what it means to listen in a way that benefits others and ourselves and might even help our society to be less contentious. Good listening is at the core of stronger relationships, more productive work environments, and maybe even bridging the divide that we're seeing in our nation over politics, climate change, and the culture wars. What are the keys to effective listening? How do we cut through the noise, pay attention, and listen? Main Calling is coming right up. Main Calling on Demand is made possible by Maine Seacoast Mission, strengthening Maine's coastal and island communities through education, health, and support. Learn more at seacoastmission.org. And by Maine Farmland Trust, working with farmers to grow the future of farming and food in Maine. Learn how you can get involved at mainefarmlandtrust.org learn. This is Maine Calling. I'm Cindy Hahn. Listen up. Our show today is about the importance of good listening and why it can make a difference in our personal and professional lives, as well as in our society. Joining me, Amy Wood, psychologist, executive coach, and author, and Hunter Coughlin, brand strategist and market researcher. We invite you to join the conversation. Tell us how being a good or bad listener has played a role in your life or why you think listening well matters. Send an email to talk at mainpublic.org, post a comment on Facebook or Instagram, or give us a call, 1-800-399-3566. Amy, I have to admit that if I hear that someone is going to tell me how to be a better listener, I'm not likely to listen. Um, so it's because it seems obvious, you know, what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to focus and pay attention. And, um, mm -hmm. but today, we're dedicating a whole show to how to listen better. So there must be more to it. So why is there more to the idea of really listening? Is it because it's so hard to do it right? Well, I think not only is it hard to do it right, but it's getting harder because if you look at it this way, it's very ironic. We have more and more technology than ever before for communicating and listening better, but it's getting more complicated. People today, despite all the ways we have to be in touch with each other, people are lonelier than ever before, feeling more isolated and misunderstood. Um, so obviously we're not listening and people are getting angry about that, about not being heard. So we need to figure out how to listen better. And Hunter, in, in your line of work, you're doing market research, you help companies decide how to position themselves. So you're sort of a professional listener um, yourself and you're also advising companies on how to really listen. So um, given what Amy was just saying in this climate today of you know a lot of noise out there, right? A lot happening. Um, is it hard? Is is listening harder than ever before? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people stand behind um, a wall of a, um, attention deficit. So it's this idea that um, there's so there's so much noise and so many so much information out there, but like you're not 
not only are you not listening to that, you don't have the attention span to even look for it. And like, think of your uh, commute to work, like you're worried about um, get, getting there on time. You're worried about like what you're probably going to have for breakfast when you get there, what coffee you're going to have, like the first task you're going to do. But what you're probably not noticing is that there's like a billboard advertisement on the side of the road, or there's like a message um, um, that's catered towards you, um, maybe at a bus stop. Um, but it's like, you're so focused on your own life and your own um, context that you're not you don't have the attention to seek these new messages. And without that attention, you're not going to listen or hear what those messages are. Amy, <clears throat> there are different kinds of listening. So tell us about, I mean, there's listening to music, right? There's just passively listening, mm -hmm. listening to a talk, um, listening to, you know, I guess uh, a show or whatever, but, but we're talking about a little a more active listening. So can you kind yeah. of differentiate those different kinds? Sure. Well, there I would uh, distinguish between hearing. You know, we we hear things throughout the day, but you can hear and not really pay attention. So you can hear someone talking, but if you're not mindfully listening, like focusing on them and making sure that you're getting the message correctly, um, you're going to miss a lot. Um, as Hunter was saying, we have a lot going on all the time in our heads and all around us, especially all around us uh, with so many distractions and, and so much noise and we're moving at a faster and faster pace. So we're more likely to just rush right by important cues. And to really listen, you, you can't be multitasking if you wanna listen on a deep level to what someone is really trying to get across to you. And Hunter, I'm back to you again in, in terms of tying that back to what you do. So um, what are the characteristics of for example, if a if a company is trying to figure out what people think and what they believe, right? How how do they do that? How do they listen to the masses? So it's interesting you said masses because it's it, this day and age it's not um, as effective to just talk to a mass audience. So you see all these um, brands that are actually um understand their customers more and more that they're able to like make these very niche segments of their audiences and be able to um tailor messages directly to those people so it's not like they're just speaking to the world they're speaking to these exact people and like their needs and their emotions and like how they can bring a solution to a problem they don't even know they have so that's what i think is really effective listening and communicating is when someone brings a solution to a problem that you don't know you have that builds trust that builds um you have their you have their attention and i think that's um a deficit that we're also experiencing is companies don't know how to um listen to their customers they don't need they don't know how to know them enough to anticipate their needs and be able to offer them a solution that'll build that trust and um i think that's a very interesting um thing that we're seeing right now like in my industry where it's like how do you how do you get to know these people so well that you're able to anticipate their needs and know them better than they know their themselves. And um, a lot of my work is um, a lot of consumer listening in the sense that we do a lot of social listening. So that's understanding the conversations that are happening on social media, on Twitter, on Reddit, on TikTok. These are organic conversations that people are having, maybe not just around the brand, but around like maybe the topic. And then being able to like distill these like human truths from those conversations and being able to anticipate what these people may be talking about next or what their needs may be. 
And that's more on like the social listening side, but there's also so much um, ethnographic research and consumer research, um, like one-on-one -on -one conversations or focus groups that um, we still do in the industry to really understand these um, consumer pain points and like what they actually may need and their relationship with the world, with the product, with the brand, with the category. Well, I want to stay with you for a moment because you brought up social listening, which I've never heard that term before, but the, the tying in of social media to all of this. So has social media and how we use it changed the way that we listen as human beings? Or, I mean, it clearly changes how we communicate. So does that automatically mean we listen differently because we have these ways of communicating that we didn't have before? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of um, like when I go on social media, it's hard to sort through the clutter on like what's organic and what's not. And that's that we have a very advertised um, media environment right now. So if you're scrolling through Instagram, you see someone promoting you're like, oh, I love this this dress, you can wear it out for New Year's. Um, it's hard to like differentiate if that's if they actually really like that brand and they went and bought them themselves or like an advertiser is paying for them to say that. So I think it's very important to be listening to this organic content. And that's kind of a new, not, well, not a new thing that brands are doing, but it's something that I think they're going to capitalize more on in the coming years is being able to see what's, what's hitting with this organic content, content, meaning like the conversations people are having without being prompted, have their feelings on like a certain product or a certain experience, and then being able to take those organic conversations and then move that in a, in a, um, in a position that um, kind of speaks to a different narrative about the brand. Um, and I think these and being able to listen to what people are actually saying versus like the narrative that's being like forced on them, there's going to be like that type of distillation in our consciousness going forward. That's so interesting. Amy, does that, it almost makes you feel like social media is teaching us to be better listeners because you've, you're being forced to distill information from all the noise. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we're learning how to hone in what the real message is when we're using social media. I almost, I was going to think that mm -hmm. it was making things worse, but is it giving people some tools to, to hone in on central messages? Cause we've got all this stuff to sort out. Well, I think as Hunter is saying, in order to figure out what is really being communicated, you have to get better at this. And this is not something that people do well. Uh, in general, people are not listening to each other. They're not able to distill down to, is this a real message? Is this an advertiser trying to get my attention? Um, and then they're very reactive. And in another, uh, another way of looking at this is you see so much anger online and misunderstanding because people aren't able to see beyond the word. So let's say somebody is going off on their political viewpoint and someone reads that and they have the opposite viewpoint rather than saying, okay, where is this person really coming from? Thinking, okay, there's a human being behind this. They're just getting mad because they're thinking, well, they're disagreeing with me. Therefore, this is a bad person. You know, so we're jumping to conclusions based on what we see rather than um, slowing down, getting a little bit of distance and using critical thinking to figure out what is the message really? Well, since you brought that up, I was going to wait till later, but um, I think <laughs> the big reason we are doing this show today about listening is, you know, Amy, you were on our show earlier this month about mm -hmm. anger. Um, yes. And we talked about how listening is a big part of why we have this angry society today, and uh, mm -hmm. especially over politics. So let's just address that if there are people of different political beliefs and um, mm -hmm. they're talking about what they think and you know people obviously argue and debate these topics how 
can listening be applied well in those situations to potentially understand where the other side is coming from? Well, going back to what Hunter said earlier about consumer listening, you know, where you can't just look at a mass audience anymore because there are so many different segments of the population with very different interests. And therefore you have to have different ways of, of understanding those people. And I think that the key to really good listening and understanding is appreciating the fact that everyone has a different perspective and you can't really get an idea across to someone unless you know where they're coming from. So you don't find that out unless you listen to them, unless you are curious about their perspective. So if you're thinking about politics, rather than just fighting back and forth on the internet saying, I'm right, you're wrong, you're bad, I'm good, um, which is really just making a caricature out of another person. It's not real. We don't all function in these extremes all the time. Rather than that, having a real conversation with the person and asking them, you know, how did you arrive at this belief? Tell me a little bit more about yourself and why you vote the way you do. I, I think I've said this on prior shows, but I'll say it again, that research has been done to show that when you take people who are fighting online about political viewpoints and you put them in a room together and they talk, they come out with commonality, you know? So, you know, like if a neighbor, you go to a party and let's say a summer barbecue in the neighborhood and you just get along with everyone and everyone has things in common and you don't know how those people are voting sometimes, um, but you're looking at them as a whole person. And that's what happens when we really listen to each other and talk, we find ways to connect and to relate to each other. Great. Let's go to Kim calling in from Yarmouth. Hi, Kim. Go ahead. What did you want to talk about? Hi. Uh, yeah. Thank you for getting this topic onto the air. I am a believer in uh, better listening habits. Um, and I wanted to just mention my book that was just released by Routledge last year about head, heart, and hands listening. Um, this was uh, formatted on a model of early childhood education, Waldorf model. Um, and I've applied it in my book to adult listening, why we listen, what we listen for, what we listen with. I started getting curious when I was doing work for the Department of Environmental Protection on our listening habits, habits that we take into our interactions, um, why it is that two people can go into the same conversation or listen to the same material and come away with completely different, having retained completely different sets of information. So um, I came up with the head, heart, and hands listening model, and I'm what I'm hearing so far from Amy and Hunter um, aligns, I think, with a lot of what's, what, what I discovered in putting together this model. Um, in the same way we have learning styles, communication styles. Uh, when I was working with the DEP, I started getting curious about whether we also have listening styles. So that was the basis of the book. Um, and just briefly, head listening is um, oftentimes when I was working at DEP, I was working with scientists who were honing in and could retain facts, data, stuff that's already been proved in the past. Um, but instead of teaching them how to communicate better, I understood what I needed was for them to start to listen with a totally different set of ears. And what I'm hearing from Amy and Hunter 
is the need in, all over our culture for more proactive and intentional heart listening. What's going on beneath the surface of the words? Mm-hmm. What is this Great. person? What, what is this person about? And what are they? What are they really trying to put into the world under what could be pretty? Um, uh, offensive language in some cases. Right. Thank you for sharing that. So it's head, heart, and hand listening, um, Kim. Thank you. And Amy, follow up a little bit on that idea of different listening styles that Kim mentioned. Sure. Um, I, I like the title um, because it really conveys that listening is a is a really full-bodied experience. Uh, it's not just, as I said before, hearing. It's really being present um, with all of your senses and experiencing whatever you're listening to, um, whether it's you're at the theater uh, listening to someone perform or you're talking to a really good friend over coffee or you're talking to your boss in a performance review, um, you're talking to a customer service um, agent. It's it's all about being present, being right there and hearing and also taking in what is being said and the caller just mentioned, you know, we can listen to the same thing. Like we can have five people in a room and hear the same thing and all interpret it differently, which is why it's so essential when you are talking with someone and you think you understand what they're saying to reflect back and ensure, especially if it's really important what they're trying to communicate to you. Um, You know, so for example, Someone might come to you, let's say you're an employer and someone comes to you and they're really stressed out and they're venting and you might check in and say, okay, what I'm, I'm hearing is that you are really, really stressed out at work and you need a break. Um, and you and they might say, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, because often we make assumptions for a lot of reasons, mainly because we're distracted and we're in a rush to get through the conversation, because in general, we don't uh, view in our culture conversation real drawn out conversation is valuable because it's not about getting things done in our minds when really it is because it's about building relationships with others and building trust um but taking the time to reflect back and make sure that you got what the other person was saying correctly so that you're really understanding not just thinking you understood there's so much in there that uh, we're going to go to a break but we will come back because there's you just said so much that we want to follow up on amy so and i'll i'll hear what you want to add to that, Hunter, but we are going to take a quick break. We are learning about the importance of being a good listener. Give us a call at 1-800-399-3566. This is Maine Calling. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Maine Calling. I'm Cindy Hahn. What does it take to listen to others and truly pay attention to what they're saying? And how important it is listening in today's contentious society? My guests are Hunter Coughlin, brand strategist and market researcher, and Amy Wood, psychologist, author, and executive coach. Join the conversation. Have you had the experience of not being listened to, or have you tried to listen to someone you disagree with? Email us at talk at mainpublic.org or comment on Facebook or Instagram, or give us a call, one 800 399-3566. I wanted to get back to you, Hunter. I know that Amy was talking about some of the features of good listening and you wanted to add to that. So go right ahead. Yeah, I think it's important to stress um, that the method of communication and the channel that you're, communication, you're communicating is just as important as how you do it. So if you have a serious conversation to have with someone, um, you should probably have that with them to their face so they can see your facial reactions rather than have it over text. 
Um, same that goes with um, type of work I do where I work with brands. It's like the, the, the method and the channel of which we're communicating a message is just as important as the message that we're communicating. So there are certain things you can say um, on Facebook versus on um, other types of social media. So it's definitely important to consider the medium and the, the method of which you're sending a message. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And um, Amy, I liked how you gave an example of, you know, the words that you might actually use, because I think we all, like I said at the top, you know, we all sort of get the idea. Yeah, you're supposed to pay attention. Don't be too distracted. But um, what are, model some examples of a, of a one-to-one conversation, face-to-face conversation, someone's sharing something with you. How do you respond? Well, one thing not to do, which people often feel the need to do, is interrupt. Uh, And we do that for a lot of reasons. But the main reason is that we want to fix the problem. So if someone is telling you about something they've gone through that's upsetting or something that is really going wrong in their life, as human beings, we feel that. And we want to stop the pain that they're experiencing. So we interrupt and, and say, well, why don't you do this? And, and that's really not helpful. So the best way to approach a conversation of that kind of serious nature is to just be empathetic. And what that really means, it's not saying, oh, I'm so sorry. It's not having pity. Um, it's just being there to listen. And, and this is one of the things I think that we have lost in our culture because we're trying to move so quickly. We have missed the value of just being there as someone vents or someone just tells you about how they've been mistreated or wronged in some way, or they're just expressing excitement about something going on in their life. To just be there and be witness to that is enormously useful. And, and you know, the other part about that is it, it really helps you to be smarter, whether you're a consumer uh, listener like Hunter, um, helping businesses listen better, or it's a personal situation, or an employer listening to someone at work, um, an employee. Um, perhaps you don't know how they're feeling because you haven't listened before. And once you actually take that in, um, what happens is you're expanding your perspective and you're becoming wiser. More can come from listening than talking, in other words. Go ahead, Hunter. So that makes me think, Amy, when you're talking about like bad listening or interrupting, um, there's this video that's been going viral the last couple uh, weeks on TikTok um, about this girl or this young woman who works at uh, a tech company and she uh, live films um, her getting laid off. And this was a virtual conversation. Um, This meeting gets put on her calendar by two people from HR who she's never met before, who she doesn't un- who she doesn't know, and they start the conversation by saying, um, "You know, we're really sorry to do this. We're going to have to let you go. Um, you're not meeting these per- performance requirements, and um, this, you know, we're going to have to sever our relationship now." And what's so interesting about the video is she um, pushes back and asks, "Like, why? I- I'd like to know some very." specific examples of what I did where I wasn't meeting um, performance expectations. And they go to say, well, we have to do this. It's, you know, it's unfortunate, but we have to lay off like a large number of our workforce for da, da, da. And she goes, what I think is so interesting about this, the the best part of this entire video, she goes, no, I want to know why you are laying off me, Brittany, her name is Brittany. And I want, I want to know exact reason why. And they just get, 
they say we hear and they have a back and forth where like she gets she gets upset and they're just saying we hear you we understand you but like that's not gonna help the conversation that's gonna happen today and we just want to direct this conversation to what happens now and like what happens after like we sever our relationship and I think it's just a really great example of really poor employer listening where like they they think they understand her they think they know what she's going through and they but they're handling it not like they're talking to a, hum- a human unemployed who's been working and sacrificing parts of their lives to do good work for this company. They're just th- looking at her as a number. They have no idea what her performance was. And they made that very clear when she asks these questions. There's this glaring silence where they can't give her any specific examples of where her performance didn't meet expectations. And I think there's this very human element of like people just, they want to be seen, they want to be recognized. And people who have those blinders on that are unwilling to listen and see these people for who they are and the contributions they make. That's a, that's a major, a major mess, especially, um, you know, for companies that are hiring these young workforces and um, people who really are um, embracing their identities and in, in the workplace and like wanting to make um, valuable contributions based on who they are as a person. So workplace listening very much like one-on-one listening. It's like, you have to, you can't just be, saying stuff, saying, I hear you, and then just talking without actually hearing. So that's, that's a good example. Let's go to Scott calling from Portland. Hi, Scott, you're on main calling. Hello, thank you. I wanted to see if uh, any of your participants or anyone has um, come across the idea of uh, some of the work that Dr. Marshall Rosenberg has done on this area. And what he's done is I think he put a lot of um, emphasis on the process of identifying the difference between an evaluation or an analysis versus a feeling that somebody has about a conversation. In essence, is simply put, it's basically a head versus heart kind of distinction. But interestingly, I think he put a lot of, like I said, a lot of emphasis just on the act of identifying whether you're reacting to some conversation from your head or from your heart. And just the the process of doing that is quite nuanced because uh, I guess the sort of underlying assumption is that many people will immediately react with their head, let's say. Um, without really recognizing that that's what they're doing. So, for example, the, the examples you've been using, uh, political discussion, if somebody says something that's politically sensitive or something, uh, a person might have an immediate response. Um, but really, it's sort of, to use it in the parlance, it goes directly to their head mm-hmm. without first trying to filter it through some, pro- so, some sort of internal process that is giving some attention to what is the feeling that I'm feeling while I'm feeling angry about that. Well, what is the stimulus and trying to dissect it in a um, more uh, discreet way, let's say, or something that will try to identify, well, this is the stimulus that's causing me to react with anger. Sure, Scott. Let's um, give uh, Amy a chance to answer. She's nodding. And, and Amy, this is all about, you know, not being too concrete, right? Not um, maybe being too literal and and reading people's emotions, being more compassionate. I'll let you follow up what Scott was saying. 
Well, I think this is a, a perfect um, example of why we need to slow down and not just react. Um, we go through the day reacting constantly to our phones, you know, other people, everything changing constantly in our environment. Um, and so we have to really try, we have to strive to slow down, especially when we're feeling stressed and ask these central questions like, what is it that I'm feeling stressed about? Is it what this other person said? Is, is it a thought that I'm having in my head? Um, and trying to bring yourself down to what's real, not what you're projecting out there, not um, what you're getting emotional about that have nothing that has nothing to do with the situation so that you can respond accordingly. So, you know, I really can't say this enough that you you can't just react to everything. I mean, some things, yes, we can react to. We don't have to spend over, you know, we don't have to overanalyze, but when you're having an important conversation with someone or someone says something that triggers you emotionally, you've really got to ask yourself, what's the best way to think about this? And how should I respond so as to further this conversation and not escalate any upset? Can you reiterate, I, I know you already said it before, but you know, how would you give an example of how you would do that? Do you um, repeat what they're saying and see if you've got it right? Um, do you ask them to, you know, to to say it again in a different way? Like what, what are some tools for how you would show that you're empathizing or, you know, understanding? I think the best thing you can possibly do is ask questions, you know, to ask someone, okay, I'm hearing what you say. Can you give me a little bit more information about this? You know, or can you tell me how you came up with this viewpoint? Um, and when you ask questions, two things happen. One, you're not reacting right away. You're taking some time to calm down and hear more. Um, and you're also gaining valuable information that will help you to think differently. And, you know, that that is essentially why we need to be good listeners, whether you're listening to your consumer, your employer, your best friend, uh, your neighbor, um, there is no mass way of thinking anymore. Everyone is becoming more and more individual in how they think and in how they behave. And so you have to take time with people to get to know them personally. Um, you can't just make assumptions about other people. Yeah, that keeps coming up. Well, thank you, Scott, yeah. for your call. Um, Hunter, is, is is that what you wanted to say too, as far as assumptions or how you respond to, um, how you listen without reacting? Yeah, so I this what Amy said kind of um, brought to mind, I had this conversation with a friend recently who was telling me that they've started um, improv classes. And for those of you who don't know, improv is a type of stage performance that um, it's um, unscripted. So everything is pretty reactive and um, you're all the dialogue, the plot, everything is just building on like what another person has said within the context of the performance. So, um, and I was so fascinated with um, this friend who was telling me about it. Cause I was like, Hat, like that's so scary. People get on stage and just react and do, do these things. Like what makes, and they're supposed to be you know comical. They're supposed to be a type of comedy. So I was like, what makes a really good um, improv performer? Like what are some skills or qualities that makes some, someone really effective at, at doing this? And she said, you know, it's honestly the people that are able to listen to the conversation that's happening, be able to build on it with new information, but then being able to really adeptly and concisely tie it back to what another person has said earlier 
in a cadence that like you've almost forgotten what that other person has said, but it just strikes this chord that you've been listening, you've been internalizing, and you've been adding your own information to that concept to build and add value to what someone has already said. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that really struck me because that's exactly what I try to do every day in my job is like understand the conversations that are going on and being able to add value with that while also nodding to what people are already saying and being able to build on it and um and bring value and more information to that conversation yeah we should all join improv and try it right (laughs) teach ourselves how to be a sponge and just soak in what people are saying that's great um let's go to sam calling from biddeford hi sam go ahead hi thanks for uh, taking my call um i uh i I have a, a master's in social work and I work at a at a school that's a middle school and high school students. And one of the things that I really try to do is when when I'm doing an activity with a with a student, we're, you know, really focusing on just being really mindful with the activity that we're doing. Um to me, I I you know, I I I I have kind of a fill philosophical standpoint where I I listen to Alan Watts a lot and um, Alan Watts talks a lot about the evolution of language and how it kind of takes different shapes and different forms at different times. Um, To me, use like being very direct about what it is that that you're doing and then kind of responding in that really direct way um, to me is, is really important. Well, thank you for sharing that, Sam. And Sam um, brought up right at the top of that comment, mindfulness. And um, mm-hmm. that seems to go hand in hand with listening, Amy. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. If you're not mindful, you're going to miss information. So, you know, being present with someone um, and not being distracted, you know, putting your phone away, um, having enough time to have a conversation, not be not thinking about what you have to do next or what you just did. Um, that's really the best way to be mindful. And that's the best way to build trust with someone and further your relationship with them. I feel like that's so hard. I'm just thinking of myself, you know, I'm multitasking <laughs> all the time. I can't yes. feel like I can't get through the day without that. And, um, you know, how do you train yourself to to put everything aside to listen? I, I feel like that's the hardest thing for me, at least. Well, first of all, you know, you don't have to do that all the time. What I I talk about is senseless multitasking and sensible multitasking. We know from multiple research studies that you can't focus on two things that each require full attention simultaneously. So, for example, uh, trying to work on a project while also listening to someone who wants to have an important conversation. It's just not possible. And yet we try to do that all the time. Um, because we believe in this myth in our culture that we can multitask in that way. Now, sensible multitasking might be you're catching up with a friend. It's a casual conversation on your phone while you're doing the dishes. That's possible. You don't have to be listening intently and mindfully all the time. Um, But when it's an important conversation, like if you're a boss and and, uh, an employee is coming to you because they're upset about something, you want to be able to say, Uh, let me create some time for you to have this conversation. I'm going to close the door. I'm going to ask that all my calls be held so I can be here to have the conversation. Same if you're having a relationship issue with a friend or or a partner or a family member, you want to make space for that conversation so you can really 
mindfully listen to each other. But a lot of our conversation is meandering. You don't have to pay full attention. Um, you know, you're just hanging out with your friends or your family. You don't have to be constantly paying that intense kind of attention. But um, you certainly do when you're having important conversations with people that need to be heard. And, uh, you know, there are repercussions in our culture for not listening when people need to be listened to. You know, in the cancel culture, um, whether you're a retail store or, you know, a hospital or uh, a company employing people, if you get a reputation for not listening to people and not caring about them and their concerns, you could ruin your reputation. Yeah, more on that cancel culture and how that ties yeah. to listening. After we take a break, we're just going to take another quick break. Our phone number is 1-800-399-3566. And we are talking about the importance of listening. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Maine Calling. I'm Cindy Hahn. We are learning about ways to be a better listener and how they can have significant benefits in how you relate to others and understand how they think. Joining me are psychologist Amy Wood and brand strategist Hunter Coughlin. Share your comments and questions. Have you been in any situations where it was hard to listen to someone, but you did it anyway? Email us at talk at mainpublic.org. You can also post on Facebook or Instagram or call 1-800-399-3566. And Amy, I just wanted to, you had started talking about cancel culture, so I kind of wanted to finish that thought. Just, um, sure. you know, we all know that this phenomenon is happening in our society today where people um, say something, do something, and before they know it, they're just, you know, fired or erased from social media mm -hmm. or whatever, their their reputations are, are shot. Mm -hmm. So what does that have to do with listening? Well, if you're not listening to the concerns of people who come to you, um, whether you're a restaurant, um, you know, or the head of a company and you're employing people who are upset with you, if you're not listening to their concerns, um, people today are pretty pent up from the lack of listening. They have a lot to say, they wanna be heard. So if you don't listen to them, they're gonna let people know, you know, this is what this company did to me. You know, this is how this customer service person treated me. They didn't listen, my boss didn't listen. And it, it may go viral. So, you know, that that's one reason why it's important to listen. But, the, you know, the main reason is that people have options today more than ever before. Um, like Hunter and I have both said, there is no mass audience anymore. Um, there are multiple options for all of us to go elsewhere if we're not satisfied. We can quit our job. We can go to a different Chinese restaurant if we don't like the one that mistreats us. Um, we can buy things all over the place and have experiences anywhere we want. So it is important if you want to keep your customers, your employees, et cetera, happy that you have to listen to their needs and you have to respond to those needs or, you know, they're, they're not going to try to work it out with you. They're just going to, they're just going to go. Um, so, you know, I, my work um, is helping leaders listen more to their employees. I call this human centered leadership because employees have more options today. They have more demands are under high stress. And the number one thing they want is care and concern and listening from their leaders. And if they're not going to get that, then, there's plenty of other places they can go and find what they're looking for. So um, we, we have to listen. I'm sure Hunter has many examples from the world she's in of companies that don't listen to their consumers and the price they pay. Hunter, you yeah. do have an example, right? 
Yeah, um, that brought to mind, and it's kind of tying back what I said earlier about a good listener is, is someone who can know someone so well that they anticipate their needs and offer a solution to a problem before they even know they have that problem. And a great example out in the world of a brand that I think did a really good job doing this is Chipotle, which is a brand we all know and love. Um, what do you? They were really trying to understand the people that go into um, a Chipotle um, restaurant um, to get food. Like, what are they thinking? What's their mindset? Why are they there? The obvious answer is people are people are hungry. They want a quick snack. They want a they want a meal that's you know healthy, has some vegetables, has some meat, is filling, and then they can hit the road. Um, but from like really careful consumer listening, they also uncovered that a lot of other reasons people are visiting Chipotle, it's because they're wandering outside on the street. They need to use a restroom. They're outside. They're, um, they have a mess. They spilled on their clothes. They need they need some napkins. Um, so I think a good example, like a really great um, blueprint that Chipotle used um, to solve this problem is understanding um, these, anticipating these problems that consumers have, not because they're not going to Chipotle. They're Chipotle trying to sell food. Um, but it's like understanding the different mindset and different reasons people may visit Chipotle. So instead of, you know, cracking down on like, oh, you can you can only use the restroom if you're a paying customer, or you can only have three napkins per paying customer. They actually embraced this mindset and um, this new need that these um, customers had. And they actually created this branded Chipotle um, napkin holder that goes in the visor of your car. So if like a, someone's driving by and their toddler like makes a mess in the backseat, they need napkins. And they go into Chipotle and Chipotle's like, mm -mm, nope, can't have napkins. You didn't buy any food. Instead, there's someone there being like, oh, here's some napkins. And guess what? Here's also a, a little napkin holder so you can not make a mess in your car and keep them so they're quick and accessible. I think that's a really great example of a um, really great brand, a brand that's really embraced listening and understanding the consumers where they can anticipate their needs before they happen. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to read an email from Marie. For some of us, listening is difficult because of hearing loss. It is my hope mm -hmm. that educating others about this handicap will help the hearing impaired people to listen and be heard. So thank you so much for that important reminder um, from Marie. Let's go to a call now from uh, Larry. Larry's calling from Kittery. Hi, Larry. What did you want to talk about? Hi. Um, I've been a therapist for 26 years. And uh, up till about 2019, 2020 crossover, I had never been referred couples, although I was certainly willing to do couples work. Well, all of a sudden, when they're at home together with COVID, uh, they are finding out that they are not communicating very well. And in the past several years, couples have been a, a huge part of my practice, and when I get them in the room, I realize that half the time the lack of communication is due to the fact that they're not listening to each other. Yeah. So I was just, uh, I was just uh, uh, wanting to hear comments from your experts there on this because I find that that's the first thing that I have to do is get them to listen to each other. Right, Larry, I think we could have done the whole show just focused on couples communication and listening. But Amy, go ahead and add to what Larry just said. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that we're not really listening. And that's why we're not communicating. And I, um, I know from having worked as a psychologist with couples and business partners and people who are very close and getting into conflict, it's often because 
you think you know what the other person means um, when you really don't. Um, so, for example, a couple might say, you know, we're not getting along because uh, I want him to be more affectionate um, and he's not affectionate. And he might say, well, I'm perfectly affectionate. What do you mean? Because they have different ideas about what affection is. Um, so that can be a real uh, problem for people. And also assuming that you know what the other person is going to say because you know them so well that you tune them out and you just decide what it is they're going to say and you miss it. Um, we all do that all the time. And it's just really the way the brain works for efficiency. But we have to go against that tendency and really be present. And again, ask questions, be curious, um, reflect back to make sure you got it. Um, so this, that assumptions are not made. Yeah, give us, um, again, an example of, you know, the words you might use in those cases where you, you know, you're going along assuming that somebody's saying the same thing again. And, and yes. um, like, what, how do you switch that over? Well, first of all, um, don't let yourself just tune out because you really don't know what that other person's going to say. And, and then once you hear it and you think you understand it, reflect back and just, okay, I just want to take a break for a moment just to make sure that I'm with you here, that I've gotten what you're trying to get across and repeat it back to them. Not like parroting it back, like you said exactly this, but I'm getting from what you're saying that it would be helpful if I spent time talking with you during the evening instead of doing chores that are distracting. Um, and then that other person might say, yeah, that's what I mean. I just want to have more downtime with you. Or they might say, no, that's not exactly what I mean. I mean this. So, mm -hmm. you know, we often don't check in and we assume and most uh, miscommunication comes from assumptions that we make that aren't right because we don't check in, particularly when we're communicating without looking at the person. You know, as Hunter was saying, there are different channels for communication. And if you're going to have an important conversation, you don't want to do it via texting, which is considered the worst way to communicate. Um, you don't want to do it via email, which is not far behind texting. Um, sometimes the phone works, but the best way, if you're having an important conversation, is to be right there with the person. Making the time for that is important. Yeah, making time is key. Thank you, Larry, for that call. And let's go quickly um, to another call. Alex calling from Scarborough. We're fairly short on time. Go ahead, Alex. Sure. Just really quick, uh, Amy just said a lot of what I've been thinking about a lot, expectations assumptions but i just wanted to say that we're all interconnected and i think we forget that and so there's this adversarial thing or there's this neediness to i need to fulfill my needs and my, and benefit mm -hmm. from something and so therefore if somebody else is not doing what i want i'm not going to listen or i'm not going to even entertain a conversation so yeah expectations and and interconnectedness we're, we're all brothers and sisters at the end we of are. the day thanks Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. and I, I like you, what Alex. you said about that. I think we're getting back to that place as a culture by understanding that everyone has something to bring to the table. You know, no matter how old they are, um, no matter what their background is, and you know, and this is what creates innovation. This is what creates new solutions to old problems when we listen to everyone. So we don't assume, for example, just because one person has seniority at a company and is higher up, um, in the company that they have all the answers, you know, oftentimes the newest people in a company fresh out of college may have the best answers. So that's another reason for listening. We have so many unique perspectives out there and they're all valuable and listening is what produces solutions. 
That was a more optimistic answer than I expected, (laughs) Amy, and that you said that we are we are getting there. I feel like in the workplace, maybe it's become more acceptable, more under, you know, understood that leaders, for example, bosses need to be better listeners. I think that's getting out there. But in terms of going back to the political strife we're having in this country, do you feel like um, there's progress being made? Um, I think the progress that's being made in other areas, you know, like I said, where it comes to companies really listening through human centered leadership, focusing on the whole person and the diversity that everybody brings and the um, work that Hunter's doing, you know, consumer listening is getting more and more precise, more and more, um, you know, going into different segments of the population and, and getting individualized perspectives. And I think all of this work that we're seeing in consumer listening and um, in organizations listening more to their employees, I think that is going to build momentum. And I think we're going to see some change uh, on social media in terms of people listening to each other more. Because as I said earlier, there's there's too much to lose from not listening. And we're really starting to feel to see that and feel that in our culture. Do you reinforce what um, Amy's saying, Hunter? I mean, is it is this a direction that um, people are learning to listen, learning to relate to each other um, in a more healthy, beneficial way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, brands, companies, employers, people who are n- not listening, not hearing, they're really missing out on an opportunity to connect and build trust with some people, um, an audience, a segment, a population that um, they may not be able to get otherwise. So I think it's incredibly important. Great. Amy, you're nodding just final words oh, yeah. on the, the benefits of, of good listening. Well, there's yeah, a payoff. I mean, there's so many benefits to good listening, but primarily, you know, when you think about what we're struggling with in our culture right now, more than anything, this loneliness and isolation um, that, and feeling misunderstood, all of, all of that can be resolved through listening to what people really want. Um, you know, I'm thinking about another example of people who don't listen. I was watching something on TV recently just about how cities are dying, um, you know, because people are working at home now. Um, and on this show, they were interviewing different people. And a lot of people were very pragmatic about, about it in real estate saying, well, you know, people aren't working uh, downtown anymore. So why build another office building? And they had other people on the show who were saying, oh, if I just build the right office building, people will come back. You know, that's an example of not listening. Right. So. It's not productive. <laughs> Right. So take the time, take a moment, stop and hear what people are saying. Thank you both for joining us today. Hunter Coughlin is a brand strategist and Amy Wood is a psychologist. Today's sound engineer was Sam Tracy and our theme song was composed by Mike Jandreau. Visit the Main Calling website to sign up for our weekly newsletter or to listen to past programs. I'm Cindy Hahn and you've been listening to Main Calling on Main Public Radio.